Hey Rockstar, welcome to the 26th episode of Bantwits. My name is Queen Rafi and this is my podcast Queen Rafi Space and for today's episode my guest was Rita Chuku who is a podcaster and social worker living in South Africa. Yes, she is an unashamed foodie. She loves to cook as a form of therapy. Her life's philosophy is also to live true rather than live right. And when it comes to her work as a social worker, she's very passionate about women, child rights, and their safeguarding. And all we did on this episode was talk about South Africa living. Like I said, she stays in South Africa. So I wanted to know what are some culture shocks that she experienced moving to South Africa? Why did she even leave Nigeria in the first place? Is there anything that Nigeria can learn from South Africa. What about the big elephant in the room, xenophobia? How does she see it and what solutions can she prefer? We looked at all of that and trust me, this is one episode you would enjoy listening to. So listen in. Welcome to the show, Rita. It's amazing to have you here as we're going to talk about South Africa living. Thank you, Queen Rafi, for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. So let's start from the very beginning. Why did you leave Nigeria? I know that lots of people are leaving now to all kinds of places, but I want to know why you decided that, you know, I'm kind of, maybe I, I need to leave Niger. Why did you leave? This is how it happened, right? Before now, I wasn't interested in traveling outside the country. Like when I thought of, you know, outside the country, I just pictured myself going maybe for a vacation. I'll just go and come back. So until I met a colleague of mine, then in 2018 in my degree because I worked as a uh, humanitarian for three years and then I met this guy who asked me a question that changed my life you know he asked me if I had a passport in 2018 (laughs) and my answer was no so he was so surprised and he was like what you're working you're educated you're exposed and you don't have a passport why and I was like well I've not seen any need for me to have a passport so like I don't have i don't think i need a passport and he was like you know what if i don't do any anything meaningful for you meeting you eh, i will ensure that you get a passport so he motivated me to get my passport and then a month later he told me that there's this conference in south africa and he, he was one of the facilitators anyway and it was in line with my work as well which is gbv and child protection so he was like I need you to hop on this. At least it's going to give you leverage in your career. And it is also going to enable you to disverging your passport. You know, you know, that's how they say it. I agreed for two reasons. One, because of, of course, my career prospects, I will leverage on it. And two, because my birthday was before the conference and I didn't celebrate it in any way. So I said to myself, you know what, let traveling out of the country, let it be the birthday gift I give myself this year. Yeah, I traveled, I went for the conference. Wow, I met people from different parts of the world. I saw the world like from another angle. And you know what, I said to myself, ah, 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 ah. I am not going back to Nigeria again. (laughs) I'm not going to Nigeria. I'm not going back to Nigeria again. That was how I just made up my mind. I said, you know what? I'm coming back here because I loved what I saw. I loved the people. I loved that I saw something different. I I saw working environments, you know, a working system, a working structure. And I said to myself, no, I'm going to come back here. So that that is is my Japa story. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I really love it. I love it. Let's talk about your first impression of South Africa. I know you said you saw a working system, you love the people, but when you first landed in South Africa for this particular conference, which also led to you finally deciding to go and stay over there, when you got there for the very first time, yeah. what, what was your reaction? What, what, how did you feel like being in a country that was not your own at the time? My first reaction was, wow, like, wow. That was my first impression. And if I am to describe South Africa to someone who has never been here before, I would say that South Africa is the United States of Africa. Wow. <laughs> like, you know, the United States of America of Africa. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. That, that is because there are, there are certain things that are possible here that you will not think it would be possible in an African setting. And I okay. also feel like it's because a certain level of um, white influence mm. because of their own colonization and they, they have white people here. So they have basic amenities working, 24 hours power supply, there is water, portable water in even in the villages, there is light even in the villages, there is road network, there is no pothole when you're dealing into the rural areas. Rural areas, they have basic structures that enable them live a comfortable life. You get me? Mm. They have access to water, access to banks. They have access to comfortable living. I'm talking about solar systems that work. When you think of where we're coming from in Nigeria. Exactly. It it sounds like luxury. Even though it shouldn't be luxury, but it definitely does sound like like luxury. So I get your point and you're describing that. How you've described South Africa is really, you know, nice. At least for me now, I can start to imagine what the United States of America of Africa looks like, kind of. Looks like. But I want to to another question, right? And um, that would be... Were there some cultural shocks when you that you encountered in South Africa? I know South Africa is an African country, Nigeria is an African country, and there would be some similarities. But of course, there would also be some things that you would see and you'd be like, what? You people do this here? <laughs> this can happen in Nigeria. Definitely. I had like major culture shocks, like a lot of them, but I'm going to just mention a few of those culture shocks. The first one was the war culture. South Africans are laid back people. You know, they are not hustling people. So the hustle culture is not like in Nigeria. And me now, Niger babe, coming from hustle culture, you're coming from the hustle environment and you find yourself in an environment where once it's four o'clock, everybody goes home, the offices are locked. Once yeah. it's lunch time, people take their lunch seriously. This one is not over time. You understand? When it's time to do everything you're supposed to do at work, people do it it was difficult for me to adjust because here people feel like if this is my job i'm going to do it and i'm going to do it well Mm. and this is how i am going to do it within the working hours yes working hours and rules of of the workspace you get so there's nothing like uh, over time or working till eight o'clock or nine p.m. in the office just to maybe meet deadline or try to impress or and all that and then there's this whole thing about ma sa they don't have it there you know you address people by their first names 
you speak with, to your colleagues with respect but that doesn't mean you have to add all those massa and the rest that was a bit of a shock for me because i come from where i have to do even emails you know somebody can just write a mail to you and be like hi rita the person goes straight to the point after saying what they want to say they either say many thanks or they say cheers but in nigeria me i will write dm first <laughs> you know i trust this mail meets you well <laughs> clear my road so that wahala no good day at the end i will say kind regards or best regards you know all those things so all those things are not there that's for the work culture mm. then when it comes to the lifestyle culture huh, south africans live expressively i mean expressively i'm talking about tattoos tinted hair piercings you know all the signs of a bad child over here exactly so and 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 there's no age limit or gender when it comes to those things they smoke men and women and they smoke publicly and openly they express love openly like someone can just decide to kiss someone in a public place and yeah nobody cares you get that was a shock for me because where i'm coming from we're coming from a very reserved and conservative society mm-hmm. who it seems as if we don't do it but we do it you know but these people they do it and they show that they do it and in some way i feel like i appreciated it even though it was a shock for me i appreciated it because these are people that they don't pretend mm. they, they don't like you they don't like you and they will tell you they don't like you and they tell you reasons why they don't like you they don't feel that need to be pretentious mm. or to be liked that was a huge shock for me that was a huge shock for me you will see like maybe a 40 or 50 year old woman with a tinted hair and she's wearing a body corn dress you know and you know south africans they have big hips and all that and yeah. she's just doing her thing she's just moving feeling herself and <laughs> i'm like okay <laughs> and then the, the the greatest shocker was house rent you know paying rent in south africa it's totally different in nigeria we pay yearly and so maybe let's say the average rent you can pay in a year Nigeria is 500k, right? Mm. I'm just saying, in average, yeah, it could be less, it could, more, it could be more average, right? But in South Africa, you pay your rents monthly, and the monthly rent is an average depending on where you find a house. You're looking at 40k a month from 40k a month to 180k a month, that is like 1500 rands to 7000 rand average. Mm. monthly i'm talking monthly so imagine if you're paying 40 40k every month in a year how much is it so you better have a job (laughs) you (laughs) better have a job (laughs) exactly that was a huge shock for me because the first three months i came i had some money with me you know i was like okay what's the worst that can happen but when i paid it the first month paid it the second month paid it the third month i said to myself eh 
is this it? Because at the end of the day, it looks as if all the money you're getting are using it to pay rent. And yeah. sometimes when you begin to pay like that, you're now asking yourself, okay, let me look for a lesser option for me. And then you begin to look for houses that may not be up to, may not be secured for you just because you want to save money. So that was a very big shock for me. I think what I wanted to ask was how, now that you've talked about house rent, house rent is one of the most important things you need to, you need to like sort out if you're moving to a new place. So my question yes. was going to be, how did you find settling down amidst, you know, finding a new job, finding? Um, a new place to stay where did you already have a job before you finally moved to South Africa or you had to find a job there and how was how did you settle in how was settling in how long did it take you to settle in and what were some important things that you did that helped you in settling in just in case anybody's listening and they're like it's like it's United States of uh, America of Africa (laughs) I want to move to can you just like run me through it just a bit because I mean I know you can't tell us all okay so you know the thing is this right when you're moving to a new country you must make sure that you have a secure job already waiting for you and that job should be paying. You get me? Mm. And that job should be able to cover not just your rent, but your basic needs like feeding, transportation, then rent, right? Mm. Then maybe whatever remains, you can use it to buy all the extras that you feel like you need. But these three things are basic. You get yeah. So in trying to move to another country, if you've gotten a job, you have to make sure that you've negotiated so well that the money they are paying you covers all this in their currency, not in Nigerian currency, because Nigerian money no get value. That's number one. Then number two is that you also want to find someone that is already there that can house you for a while before you start using your money to pay for all these things because you need someone that will put you through some certain things and how the systems work mm. if not you'll be AJC you waste money you'll fall into the hands of people that want to eat your money because you're JJC you don't know anything so mm. maybe things that are normally maybe for free or for some a small amount of money they will hike the price and collect the money from you and you you'll be feeling like oh it was cheap while well, you know you don't know so it's good to have somebody that you're going to meet while you're going to a new country so that the person helps you to you know stabilize a bit you know show you the grounds tell you what is obtainable Mm. and then you can then you can now say okay maybe after three or four months you can now say okay i can begin to gradually run things on my own so that 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 is it you know you explaining all of that i have to believe that's that were some of the things that you did that really helped you and they sound like very reasonable not just if you're moving to south africa but if you're moving to any country at all in the world yes another culture shock for me was in the food i found it hard to adjust to the food and for me it was the, the spices that they use because something i find fascinating is the fact that we are africa right mm. and there are basic things we share maybe things like fufu yeah. things like um beans stew rice you know we shared all those things in common but the difference is now in the condiments and the things that they add in the food so you might see beans and you'll be like oh 
I know beans. I want to eat beans. It's okay. Maybe you go out to a restaurant and you're ordering and you see beans on the menu. You think it's the same white beans or brown beans that you eat at home. It's still beans, so, but it's not that type of beans. And then when they bring it, the way they prepare it will not be the way, maybe not with palm oil. Because here, things like yam do not exist here. It's not indigenous to this place. Mm-hmm. It's only people that maybe Nigerians that live here now import those things and you have to go to an African market to buy it and they are quite pricey you get. So you have to just eat what is available and for me it was very tough because I didn't have so much options and they eat like white people here so for breakfast you have your fried egg or scrambled eggs with ham and maybe two or three slices of bread and that is it for breakfast and a a glass of juice and where i'm coming from that we have breakfast but i'm afraid to say our breakfast is not like that i mean i mean and spoken like a truth you just had to you know put food in the culture shock because you're just like what what are you people eating Ah, it's not food now (laughs) you know and that helped me to adjust because i think um now i don't eat so much because what those kind of things does to you is that they help you to curtail your appetite Mm. You, know, you begin to learn to eat at appropriate times. Once it's seven, you've had dinner. You know, once it's eight, you've already had breakfast. There's a portion of food that you get to eat. Then you begin to realize that back at home, you eat so much. You, you eat unnecessary amount of food just because. Yeah. So your body just starts adjusting to those changes. And yeah, before you know it, you begin to like ajibo. <laughs> I'm really grateful that you shared this culture shocks with us because every time somebody moves to a new city, of course, you get those culture shocks and how you adjust them will determine if you continue to stay there or if you pack your bag and say, I beg, I'm not doing again. Let me go back home. So I'm I almost glad. got to that point. <laughs> I'll tell you, I almost got to that point because I said to myself, is this really, sometimes it looks as if it's not up to. Like you tell yourself, I, I, is it because of food? But when you're in that position, Mm-hmm. You know, you your mind really plays this trick on you, and you start asking yourself, "Is this really what I want? Do I really want to, you know, stay here?" So yeah, you have a point. But I'm, I'm glad that you were you you were strong enough to not allow food chase you back to Nigeria. Talk so well about you know how South Africa is, how the people are, and stuff. And I feel like for me, who has never gone to South Africa and sort of had a bit of bias for South Africa because of the very popularized xenophobia. If I see xenophobia anywhere, the first thing that comes to my mind is South Africa. So you've stayed there for a while now, for about two years, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. So what do you have to say as regards xenophobia? Is it as bad as it is being reported in the news? Why do you think this is even such a big problem between South Africa and Nigerians living in South Africa? xenophobia is is real like it's real and um when you come to south africa south africa is like the rainbow you know they call it the rainbow you know the rainbow nation it's a hot spot for different african countries i'm talking of tanzania kenyans malawians zimbabweans zambians nigerians congolese you know you have all these nationalities here Mm. Some of them, legal immigrants, 
some of them illegal immigrants and you know what this means this means that all these people are also competing for resources so there will be competition there will be this dog, dog. everybody will be fighting to at least get something mm. i remember i said that south africans are laid-back people mm. because they know that their system works to their favor i mean like if you're pregnant now if I was a South African and I was pregnant, the government, when I give birth to my child, the government pays me for my child. For each child I have, there's a social security that the government pays me for their upkeep and their upbringing. You see? So with that already, it removes like a certain percentage of burden away from you. You don't need to really hustle like that mm, to mm. make a living. You get So it makes them lead back. Now, these other people like us in quotes that come here for greener pastures we know that the government is not going to take care of us so what we do is that we begin to hustle we begin to do the menial jobs that are available you know we begin to go to factories and start working you know so we are taking jobs away from the people that are indigenous that already have those work but maybe they are not serious about it or maybe whenever maybe when they wake up today and say i'm not going to work they call the boss and be like oh i can't come to work i think i have a headache when you come the following day maybe a congolese or a nigerian has taken your space and you will never get back that space because they are dedicated to their work because they know that this is what will feed them this creates that um enmity you know and bad blood in them that makes them feel like see you people have to go back to your country we don't want you people here so a little thing triggers that you know hate and anger and before you know it xenophobia happens so that is really the roots and issue when it comes to xenophobia but aside that they are really hospitable people there are people there they are really kind people they don't have issues at all I'm, I, lo- I love the way you've explained it but at the same time there's always been this argument of if you're taking your jobs if you're doing this if you're doing that should the best thing to be done be to want to kill your fellow Africans. So now I would like to ask, like, if you had the time and you had the opportunity to speak to, like, you know, policymakers as regards this situation, being somebody who has lived in South Africa, seen both sides of the divide, how would you say the government treats this situation so we don't have these kind of cases coming up all the time? Okay, so I think there should be an understanding between countries to understand that Africa is a nation. Yes, we have borders that divide us, but we are really one because even in the habits, when you live in South Africa, you will see a lot of similarities in our culture that makes you know that we are not totally different to maybe it's the language and the dressing, but we are not really that different from each other. So I think what could be done is at the government level, if the governments are able to agree, have an, an agreement on what should be available for foreigners and how they can support them you know when it comes to things like jobs to cushion that um to cushion that anxiety on the part of foreigners to feel like if they don't have a job they need to hustle to 
and then there there should also be that understanding that things that trigger xenophobia should not even happen and this usually occur in the townships the township is where you call the ghetto back home Mm. you know so and you know there you have people that are not really educated or exposed Mm. people that are living in abject poverty Mm. so i think there should be like a liaison office kind of or a foreign affairs desk that takes care of foreign affairs when it comes to those communities where they are part of the of the community and um, part of the community structure like leadership structure so that they are able to also voice their concerns they're able to understand the foreigners living in those settlements you know they are able to accommodate them they are able to voice and they are able to also listen because sometimes the things that trigger these fights are not really the job that we are talking about maybe it's one um south african saying one thing one vile word to a foreigner and the foreigner speaks back and is like oh you query query you are now speaking query query is like a slang you call somebody that is a foreigner or a nigerian you know mm-hmm. like see this query query is talking and and people find it offensive so when you are called query query the next thing is that you want to prove that you're not query query and the next thing is they fight and before you know it what people are asking is how what who is fighting oh is a south african and a nigerian ah wahala or is a south african and a congolese or an ethiopian or a somalian before you know it nobody is asking what happened the mindset now is oh you want to these people that have come to take our you know and they start fighting yeah but the reason of fight wasn't even about the job in the first place you you see so i feel like in those settlements in those areas um there should be a foreign affairs desk that handle foreign issues foreigners also should be part of the community leadership where they can air, air their views they can also hear from the people and there will be this understanding and synergy yeah i see what you're saying more like let's educate everybody let's educate the foreigners these are the things you can do this this is how you can relate with you know your south african um brothers and sisters in their own land and you south africans this is the kind of help you can offer to a foreigner i think i get yes i think i absolutely get your point okay let's move away from xenophobia let's move on now to what do you think that nigeria can learn from south africa okay <laughs> let's start with a well-structured government that allows their citizens to hold them accountable there is corruption everywhere even here in south africa there are corrupt leaders but the thing is that the leaders put their citizens first even while they are doing their shady deals so it's like the government stays accountable even while eating money and for me i find it remarkable because it's like okay i'm doing this so but i make sure that your needs are met and when those needs are not met the people actually know that they are the government they go to the streets they march to the streets already you know south africa you watch some south african movies you see how <laughs> they can be very violent they march to the streets with their clubs they sing their song and they demand their rights and the government knows that when they march to the streets a lot of government properties are either burnt down or destroyed so the government is like i we don't want this thing because it will cost us money to fix these things so we need to attend to the needs of these people so they 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 steadily stay accountable to their citizens and they put their citizens first because even 
when you come to South Africa in search of a job, they give their citizens priority first. And yeah. I think that is something we should learn back home because I feel like Nigeria is a porous country that just allows everybody coming. In fact, if you're a white person, if you're an expatriate, your life is even valued more than... <laughs> I'm sorry, but sad. this is, this I mean, is that's our a, That's a sad reality. <laughs> An expatriate life is worth more than a citizen. They give you, they consider you first and, you know, give you concessions and all that. But here, the reverse is the case. As it should be. Yeah, they consider their citizens before that. And then you come to light. Basic amenities. And I think that is what is financing the development in this country because I'm not saying these people don't have their issues, okay? But I'm talking of 24 hours light in Rafi. Sometimes I still cannot believe it. It was so hard for me when I came initially because I would just, I would wake up in the night, I would jack up in the night, I want to go and plug my phone because I feel like, ah, these people will take light. And I will put on the light and there will be light. You know, sometimes I call my friends now, my battery will be in 4%, I'll still be making call. And they'll be like, won't you go and charge your phone? I'll be like, ah, charge, I can always charge it anytime there's light. And the most interesting thing is that when they want to take the light, they give you a week notice. And they release a roster that helps you to understand at what time they are going to take the light in your area. And if they say it's two hours, two hours on the dot, the light comes in. I think all these things help to make the citizens know that they can rely on whatever their government says. Mm. Now the vaccines are here. The vaccines for COVID are here. Yeah. The first vaccine came in from Pakistan and it was they, t- they t- tested it and they found out that it was not strong enough, that it was fake. They returned it back and within two weeks, the real one from Johnson & Johnson is here. They bought um, 8,000 vaccines, worth of vaccines to start off the vaccinations here in South Africa. And they verified those ones and they found out that this one's okay, this is the one. This is the one we can use. All these things happened within two weeks. For me, these are the things that I feel like we Nigerians are not asking too much. We are just asking for the government to look at us and give us the basic, our basic needs. For a working system, my sister, a working system. Oh, wow. You know, as you're talking to me about South Africa and I'm realizing that you're not talking to me about the United States of America. You're not talking to me about Canada. You're talking to me about a fellow African country country and maybe because earlier today i had watched um, a video where somebody was saying when you think of the fact that you're a nigerian are you genuinely happy and i did not even need to think too far to answer that question so now that you're talking to me about all this it just it just makes me feel more like what did we do to just get it all wrong but yeah i agree with you i definitely agree with you i mean nigeria can definitely learn about the working system from south africa and thank you so much for sharing that one. But as I am bad as he bad, you must miss something about us. What did you miss about Nigeria? Rafi, that question, you know the answer. <laughs> you don't miss anything. That question, you know the answer. I know, you I, miss food. I miss oh my, my family. Okay. I miss the food. I miss my friends. 
these are the three things so last week a friend of mine asked me when are you coming back or are you not going to come back again i said i'll come back so she was like are you coming back for real for real or you come back and just go back again you're just coming to visit i said of course i'm coming to visit and she was like what but your internship was for two years and you are done so what why do you want to stay back you know and i said to her um at the moment nigeria doesn't have anything to prosper me Nigeria does not have anything that will prosper me yet. So let me just stay here that is working. You know, let me continue to have this hope that gives me hope that life will be better. But that that, that was just on the side. But yeah, I miss my family. I miss, miss my friends and I miss the food. But aside that, I don't think there's anything. I'm just being honest. I don't think there's anything I miss uh, um, about Nigeria apart from these things I've mentioned. Yeah. Because I think I have seen something that works, something better, you know. Sometimes I wish I could just transfer all my family to come and just experience this life with me. It's not the ultimate. It's not like it's 100%, you know. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but it's it works. 100%. That's the thing. It works. But it works. Exactly. That's the thing. It works. It works. And one thing you also said that was very yeah. profound, you know that anytime something wants to shake, the government is going to communicate because they realize that the people who have the power is the people and not them in the government. And that is something that Nigeria is still trying to learn. I feel like we as a people in Nigeria, we do not realize that the power lies with us. And I'm not excluding myself from this thing. We are all inside together. We have not realized that the power... <laughs> yes, the power lies with us and until we realize that we actually hold the power to making our government accountable and we are ready to shed our blood if that is what it would take i'm afraid we have a long way to go thank you so much for telling us and taking us through an amazing i feel like i just went to south africa and came back thank you for telling me how south africa is and i'm sure that anyone who comes across this would also enjoy listening to you talking about south africa i can tell from how you talk about the place that you truly enjoy it thank you so much for being an amazing amazing guest on Queen Rafi's Space Podcast. I've enjoyed having you here, Rita. Thank you so much. I, I enjoyed being here as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm sure you enjoyed listening to that conversation I had with Rita Chuku. She was such a delight to have on the podcast. Really, really amazing. South Africa living from the way she expressed it looks really amazing and nice, right? I truly hope that someday soon, Nigeria is also one of those African countries that we can proudly say has, you know, all of the basic amenities and they don't sound like luxury even though they're supposed to be like the basic amenities i'm glad you enjoyed listening to this come back to the podcast for more as usual thanks for listening